welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I got the privilege of speaking with Jonathan, aka Apocalyptimus, on Twitter. Um, he's going to share some interesting information regarding his dynamic faith journey in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, and also highlight um, the necessity to be involved in social advocacy and social justice. Um, so, thank you so much for. Um, sharing this information. All right. Well, thank you. Nice to be here. For sure, for sure. And so um I think it's important to always highlight the the necessity for social justice and mm-hmm. um just being rooted in justice and having mm-hmm. a worldview of um advocacy. So mm-hmm. I'm always interested in speaking with people who can pro- chime in and provide an enlightening perspective or their own unique mm-hmm. worldview. So I think Jonathan will be able to do that uh, successfully. So let's start off with the first question. It's always the same. Tell mm-hmm. a little, tell a little bit about your faith journey. How was it growing up, middle life, and um, yeah, just summarize that for us. All right. Yeah. So, um, so I was a late convert. I, I converted when I was thirty-four. Um, I uh, I was brought up in a sort of nominally Protestant home, uh, but you know, we, we were like Christmas and Easter Christians. You know, um, uh, yeah, we didn't. My my dad was not a very religious thinker. Like, uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, but my uh, my mom, on the other hand, was uh, sort of this kind of uh, woo woo, like bourgeois bohemian type, who like into like crystals, meditation, all, like all that stuff. Um, uh, my grandfather is actually a theologian, so I so I got to like get get some interesting conversations with him. I have, but. Um, I, f- I feel like I kind of grew up, I kind of took after my mom the most. Um, yeah, I was, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of like went through like several different phases in terms of, you know, my, um, uh, in, in terms of like traditions, you know, like at one point when I was like just in elementary school, I was like, I, I, I thought of myself as an animist, right? Because I, I was like, oh, nature, it's all, you know, spiritual and all that, like, um, and um but uh there, but there was i i i think a christian impulse in me um in that um so well let's so when i, I grew up well we, we were pretty well off like when i was uh when i grew up we weren't like you know fortune 500 rich but we uh, we, we lived in a like nice upper middle class neighborhoods my parents belonged to a country club uh, you know, um, we, we went a lot of vacations, um, uh, you know, like they had college education funds for me and my brother. And I became keenly aware of that, uh, early on when I was talking to other people about the, like these vacations, like, oh yeah, I was, I was in like Germany this past summer and, you know, we were, you know, and yeah, or this, that, or we went to Hawaii and like, and like, like, wow, you, (laughs) um, so I realized it and, yeah, this became particularly apparent to me when you know we would be along along the side of the road, and I'd see a homeless person with a sign, and um, you know, I and, and it really offended me the the way that adults had this reaction to that, like of like, don't don't give him money, he's gonna you know spend it on drugs or whatever, and and like, um, and I was like, so what if he does? <laughs> You know, like he's like I have this comfortable home, like with all these privileges. This man doesn't have a, a roof over his head, you know. Like, and like, and I felt this guilt about that. Like, like, who am I 
to be in this position when other people are starving and don't have roof over the heads. Um, and, um, and, you know, it, it wasn't just uh, that, like, it wasn't just that I felt sorry for them. It was also, there was also a sense, um, I, I, I also felt drawn toward what you might call like the, the underbelly of society, you know, uh, homeless people, drug addicts, sex workers, like the, like, oh, the whole, whole, everyone who's like outcast, uh, you know, in, um, uh, you know, all, all the types that Jesus hung out with, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and, and, and I, and I, and I felt like this like spiritual home in, in, in that, uh, uh, so to speak. Um, and so another, you know, another thing that I felt about, so my, my dad's side of the family, um, has like deep roots in the South. And we were actually had, uh, like three governor, uh, antebellum governors of Georgia are ancestors of mine. Um, so there's a, there's a county they're named after my, so, um, so they played a major role in the Confederacy, and you know, I and I and I was, and some people like want like would talk to me like that's something to be proud of, and I'm like, no, like my ancestors are in hell. They're they're like they're I, I they're like that's where you go for like not not just owning other people, but waging a war, like sending other people to their deaths to defend that right. That's um so you know that's I had a lot of that like that guilt going on like wow i carry the weight of a lot of like past generations sins on my back um so that so, the, so that was something i just kind of always dealt with in my life but you know in the meantime i was going through all these different phases you know in um so as, as i mentioned my, my parents went to me a private school right and then um uh you know like there was like for k through 12 uh, or, uh, for like uh, K through eight, like that was that was fine. But then, like when it came to high school, there weren't any secular private schools when I was growing up. So uh, a lot of my friends were going to Catholic schools, and so that's where that's where I ended up going. Um, uh, and there, uh, and I still, um, I still was not Christian at this point. I was, um, I was kind of exploring neo paganism at the time. Uh, but I kind of had this. But one thing about that was that was it kind of got me in touch with like the idea of like the sacred feminine, and and and, and um, I found I really enjoyed my religion classes in, in Catholic school. Like uh, like uh, I, I had a, like a very negative view of of Catholics that I'd been given growing up. There's this like you know strict authoritarian hierarchical um, thing, which I definitely encountered some of that. But I also encountered this other side through my uh, courses on like church history and. Uh, Catholic social teaching and things like that, and they had this like beautiful like marble statue of Mary out in out in this quad area, and like I would just like after school I would just sit there and like uh, un like under her and like do my homework there, and like I, there was a sense of peace that like I really look back on and like I'm I remember like there was something that called to me there, um, so anyway on on the college um. Now that I went through about like the, like I, I took, you know, like intro to philosophy all that and kind of gotten into this whole, like was introduced like to like skeptical like thought and, and kind of was at the most secular that I ever became. Um, I was still not like an atheist or agnostic because I still had 
this like spiritual side of me. And in fact, I, I feel like all my life I've had this kind of, I felt this kind of spiritual guidance. Like that I, I think of it now as like my, my guardian angel. Like there was something that's like kind of guiding me along the way, even through all. Um, so, but, but I was sort of what you may call like a rationalistic pantheist at that, at that time. But I was also at the time, um, I, I was getting into like the rave scene at the time and I was like interested in um, psychedelics. I like, I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd experienced uh, MDMA when I was in, when I was in high school. And then, and then later I was, I, I was introduced to like mushrooms and, and acid and all that. And I had heard of people having like doing these things and having these like religious experiences. And, and so, and you know, it was sort of like on the one hand I was, I was just partying, you know, do it. but at the same time, I, I was like searching for something, you know, some like, and, um, God answered and brought and showed himself to me. I did not expect that the God that I would find was Christ, but that, but that is what happened. Um, and, uh, you know, and looking back, I realized how it was bringing together all these strands that were like, had had brought had been brought in my life from from that that sense of like being at home with with like the like the poor and the oppressed and um and that presence of mary i i was always i was always much like fascinated by like the ritual in uh, aspects of, of of the church you know like um i you know i grew up you know i watched like mafia movies and growing up and, and like see seeing the godfather but you know but then i see like the little yeah you know, all the like the parades of, of of like mary and the saints through the streets and i was like uh, and like and growing up in this like you know mainline protestants uh denomination i was like oh that looks so cool um but anyway but but anyway like when i converted i still like when i, I still like i didn't know what to do with this conversion experience because I still had a pretty negative view of Christianity overall. And so like, and I got into Gnosticism, you know, which, which was like, oh yeah, there's this cool like, heretical you know, group that's like, uh, that's all mystical and, you know, and yeah, perfect for someone who's like into psychedelics. I'm like, yeah, expand your mind, man. Um, but like, uh, but it, what one thing about them though, was I, yeah, was that there, there's this sort of like, world denying aspects to it you know that you know the that the world is like a prison you have to escape from by the secret knowledge or whatever um and like i always had this kind of nature spirituality that, that conflicted with that um and um and, and i but i ended up like going into these different group like i ended up getting involved in this like neo-gnostic group like when i went to portland uh that like had ended up having these like really creepy cult vibes like uh for and and sometimes i still like feel like they kind of put some kind of curse on me like they're, like i get like just bad juju like just thinking about it but um you know, so I went from there to like this all new age group that uh you know there was like oh yeah we believe in jesus as this like uh you, you know ascended master or, or whatever yeah but we're all also in all like the crystals and woo and and all and all that stuff um but yeah, at the same time, I also got really into the Kabbalah, because you know that's because uh, you know the, the, coming from the uh, from the Jewish tradition, it's it doesn't have the sort of world denying aspects of of agnosticism, uh, yeah. But it has this yeah you know, sort of occult knowledge, this this like 
mystical system for understanding cosmos. Uh, so during and and they had this like year long program where you go through the different like you ascend through the different Sephiroth or spheres of creation. Um, during this program, um, I got news that my mother had been diagnosed with cancer, and that so that you know hit me with a ton of hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and uh, it was during that time that I. You know, I, I, I had been, I consider myself somewhat of a Christian for a while, but I, yeah, but I was still kind of involved in this whole, like, you know, woo, like occult stuff. And it wasn't that I immediately turned my back on the occult, but I felt pulled towards the, towards a more traditional form of spirituality around that time. And that was when I started going to church. Um, and I, and I joined initially the Episcopal church, uh, at the time. Um, and uh, and, 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 you know, and during that time, um, she struggled with cancer for about three years, um, before, before passing, um, and watching her, like, come to terms with her own mortality, uh, and, and, yeah, and, and she, she died well, I, I'll say she, she, like, she made a project out of dying, and, and that was, and that really moved me spiritually, and, like, it affected me deeply, um, and so when she died, um, after, after after she died, I I found myself drawn more towards Mary uh, than ever before, and I I started praying the Rosary regularly. I, I had I had this Mary altar that I would uh, pray to, and and it was like having lost my earthly mother, I was drawn towards our heavenly mother, and and I, I turned to her for comfort, and um, and that sort of and. Uh, so in all this time watching like with with her death and all that, I was learning the power of surrender because um and that's sort of what's turned me away from a lot of this occult stuff because because occultism is all about trying to affect the world you know using magic to like try to like bring my will into a manifestation and and I'm learning you know that it's actually that get to actually trust in god and even even in the darkest moments and like and put in having that surrender yeah is is an imperial uh, an incredibly powerful thing and so yeah so this i my i increased my devotion to mary and at the same time i was um uh around the same time uh, uh i got i got into activism uh via the occupy movement that was going on so um and and that was a culmination a, a lot of like political economic stuff i was been reading kind of culminated in, in that moment as well like it hadn't happened like at the right moment uh in my life to like really flip something so at the same time that i was going through this like spiritual transformation i was going through this political trans this, this political radicalization um and i started like reading uh, liberation theologians like uh, like uh, Gustavo Gutierrez or Ignacio Echeverria, um, and um, and that you know, like a lot of and and that really got me interested um, interested in uh, Catholicism because of, because of you know the the whole Latin American experience. I actually find a lot of my Catholicism is very much uh, has an affinity with Latin American. Uh, like with with spe the specifically Latin American form of Catholicism, both through liberation theology and through like a lot of the syncretism that that like like Latin American Catholicism has. Um, uh, bo both aspects kind of 
uh, have been a draw to me. Um, and uh, it's, and so that also like I got interested in uh, Ignatian spirituality because I because I knew that a lot of like li major people in, in liberation theology were Jesuits, and so uh, and so I found a uh, Jesuit parish um, uh, near me that had this like spiritual exercises program that I took for a year. And then um, I, be, and I became, uh, I was confirmed to the church through them. Um, so uh, yeah. It, and, you know, since then, I, I wish I could say that I've, you know, feel like I finally arrived, but the truth is I've Catholicism has been a struggle for me ever since. Like it's never been, I've never been able to like, like feel it, feel at ease in the church, but it, but it's the fact uh, but I feel like it's like God's kind of called me here. And if I, and it, the, the very fact that I had so much resistance to it and still found myself here is kind of the proof that like, this is where God called me to be. <laughs> All right. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, definitely, I, I frequently say when we talk about people's faith journey, it's a lot of moving parts, but definitely you're, your faith mm -hmm. journey had a lot of moving parts from mm -hmm. um growing up Protestant-ish, going mm -hmm. into like neo-paganism, occult, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. being called into communion to the church. So definitely a lot of moving parts. Um, mm -hmm. so now that you've been Catholic and you've studied the theologians of liberation theology and um mm -hmm. what's some what's uh like what's one thing that you would say to somebody who's discerning the Catholic Church on why they should yeah. come? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Cause, um, you know, like I said, it's, I've never like there, there, were, I've, I've had, it's been a real struggle for me, um, being in the church, like since the beginning and, and I've had like, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it wasn't that long after I joined the church that like another abuse scandal came out, you know, and then I hear, you know, reactionary statements from the bishops and, um, yeah, and and like there have been several times I've been just tempted to leave, um, but yeah, uh, but I managed to stay. And I think what's kind of kept me here is I've I realized I had I was leaning too much into the the church to be you know what a to define my faith for me, and I realized I kind of um, needed to. Um, find my own grounding in it um you know there there are definitely there are definitely like you know church doctrines that are essential to being catholic you know you have you have like the the trinity the virgin birth uh the immaculate conception you know these, these things you know that that's that's not negotiable but but you can find yourself within that in and um and find that like platform from which to um to find your own grounding your own faith journey um because if you're if you're looking to uh, the hierarchy or the church to uh to be that perfect example you're going to be disappointed uh you like you have to try to see what, what god is calling you to be i mean I, and i've brought this to confession before when when i've asked about uh, when, when I've talked about, you know, being tempted to leave and he said, yeah, um, he said, you know, Jesus didn't say, come and follow the church. He said, come and follow me. So it's, what is your relationship to Christ? That's like, 
matter how much um uh, you like no matter how much we have this you know you know church hierarchy or bishops and stuff it's it's still like what's your relationship to christ that that's going to be your essential uh where you're grounded yeah that's important um mm -hmm. and that's not to un that's not to take away from like very mm -hmm. real situations and people and and mm -hmm. leaders who commit things mm -hmm. um they create stumbling blocks but i think mm -hmm. what she said is essential like um you gotta follow christ um and mm -hmm. him him being your anchor is is, is key mm -hmm. um like what political theories help influence your mm -hmm. worldview and how are they compatible with catholicism mm -hmm. okay uh, um yeah so like so around the occupy era i was i i had been uh reading david graber um who, who, I, who i still count as, as a major influence and you know and that combined with the experience of occupy got me interested in anarchism um and that and that was um uh and, and that was an important i think you know i had i'd gone through this kind of libertarian phase in college with because i because i was because i didn't like the idea of being an authoritarian right but like but i also was like yeah but but still uh but but of course libertarians kind of have this free fall for capital and I, and I had to like develop develop an understanding of how power structures actually serve the ruling class and how like the market is actually one of those means for enforcing that power structure um so so i had like explored anarchism um as a kind of critique of hierarchy um from you know from the perspective of like those that you know these um power structure hegemonies of like the state and capital have over, over people um i ultimately came to uh you know uh quite like question anarchism like it's i i'm still very sympathetic to a lot of it but uh there's there's a difference in emphasis i feel for me uh which is um you know for for anarchists it's like sort of hierarchy is the is sort of the central problem, um, you know, like that. You know, that you you just, you just work and work work on abolishing every hierarchy you can find. Um, whereas for me, I think hierarchy is sort of a symptom that it's you know, the problem is oppression. You know, we're we're seeking liberation for the people, and hierarchy is one of the ways that that manifests. Um, you know, and. I'm aware that there are, you know, examples of like Catholic anarchists, like you know, like Dorothy Day. Um, you know, the I've, you know, I've come to a great appreciation of, of like the Catholic worker movement and everything. Um, but you know, like a lot of a lot of anarchists would say, well, you, well, you know, Christian anarchism isn't really anarchism. It's, uh, you know, you can't you can't you know live in God and and have, you know, and still be anarchist. Uh, yeah, they, cer they certainly wouldn't like uh agree with the idea of ha of having like this magisterium like we have uh, you know but i uh but i kind of like well okay well if that's the case then i guess i'm not an anarchist you know um and uh and, and it's and sort of like i um it, for, for me it's it's like um i don't really have like i have a lot of critiques of like the structure of the church but i still believe that a kind of initiatory hierarchy where where you're handed down these like mysteries and this this responsibility through servant leadership i think that's a, that's a crucial thing um 
I, I, I don't have a problem with that kind of hierarchy per se. Um, what, what, I, what I later found is um, this data called communalism, which uh, Murray Bookchin was really, uh, was sort of the founder of this idea. And it's been taken, it's been taken up by uh, Abdul Ojalan, who um, this sort of uh, has led the uh, Kurdish uprising in, um, in uh, what's called Rojava. Um, which is it, uh, it's also you know, also called uh, democratic confederalism, and what this is is it's the idea that um, you know, you like you have city or municipal governments like like the city council everything, um, uh, uh, but but you but you also want to have these like local uh, groups uh, of, of direct democratic uh, like people's councils. Then that's where the where the power should lie. But you know the the existing government structure, like like the city council or whatever, can play a, an administrative role because there's a difference between the state, the sort of uh, coercive state of um, you know that polices the population and surveils us and 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 you know, uh, versus the ones that like administer uh, programs for, for the people. Like uh, so, so they kind of oversee the commons um and enacts the laws that are created by these like councils like by by the people themselves so so the idea is that is that the decision making power belong like belongs in the hands of the people um uh who uh, and and who then send delegates not not representatives representatives means that they're making decisions on your behalf a delegate carries the uh will of the people to this like higher order uh you know like a council um that you know plays this kind of bureaucratic function you know they um we decide to create you know a program for uh you know to feed everyone to you know to give everyone like a monthly stipend or, or whatever um and so they're the ones who administer those programs so so that means that they're servants of, of of the lower level of 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 like the the people it all all power still lies within the people themselves and then from there you know you get this this essentially makes makes the city into a commune right so but but then rather than you know the nation state which is you know, defined by borders what you then have is a confederation of these municipalities of of, of communes um you know so one city decides you know i'm going to trade with you i'm going we're going to form defensive alliances we're going to have thing and the thing about this is this isn't some hypothetical this is actually a form of governance that has appeared in history over and over again you have the iroquois confederacy you have the uh the hanseatic league you have the, like um uh, uh you have the, the, the lombard league there are um yeah, and today you have uh, the Zapatistas, you have Rojava. They, uh, you know, these are this is a, this is uh, basically the one historical form of uh, of political structure that has ever truly presented a threat to empire. You know that that's uh, nation states as we know them today are yeah a couple hundred years old, right? But um, the real historical battle. Uh, has been between confederation and empire so that so that's uh so even though you know 
was, yeah, these ancient mules didn't have, uh, you know, Murray Bookshin to get spew these ideas to them, but they, um, but he was just simply identifying this, uh, this form of social organization that has existed throughout history um, in multiple iterations. Um, and so that's kind of where I, where I identify with as, as, as this, this sort of, um, uh, the sort of you know conf confederation of communes as 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 the way the way that um as sort of the path forward and the thing is that about this is it admits of degrees you know so you take existing government forms you take you know, the city council uh you can make it more democratic you can make uh you can transform it so that you you have this like bottom-up structure you you build this bottom-up structure and then transform that top-down structure so that serves the bottom um and meanwhile you, you you create local autonomy for cities and municipalities for neighborhoods and um and then form these uh you know horizontal connections with others in other places um so so th so that's kind of the idea is is it sort of it, it it's a real program for dual power for creating a new world in a shell of the old oh and um oh and I guess uh, as far as, uh, you know, its connection to Catholicism, um, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, you know, one, the uh, the Lombard League, which was one of the uh, medieval, was one such confederation in Middle, Middle Ages, uh, actually included the Vatican. So it's not, uh, so it's not, you know, it, it was challenging the, the power of the, of the Holy Roman Empire. So, um, so, there, so there's precedent. And, and of course, you know, the, um, uh, the Zapatistas have a lot of uh, support from local, uh, you know, priests and and, and bishops. Uh, so yeah, so I think, and 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 the thing is, I don't have to come out and say, oh, let's sort of revolutionize this. I we're just talking about like the the way the way to miss the degrees is just push for like, hey, let's have real radical democracy, and let's 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 make the system more democratic, more local, and and push in this direction. Next question, which kind of feeds on what you just mentioned, which is what is ties to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of like charge and motivation or, or like empowerment can you provide to like the average lay Catholic? Um, that's like on the sidelines, not really took the took a plunge for justice or advocacy or activism. Like, what's something that you would say? To help them um, not be lukewarm, to have like a uh, be invested in the game. Yeah, um, yeah. Even in terms of like just getting involved in, in uh, uh, yeah, becoming interested in social justice, uh, as far as social justice. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so, I I, th I think it's it's a struggle because you know my experience has been that a lot of uh, activist spaces tend to be pretty hostile to religion in general, uh, Christianity specifically and Catholicism especially. So um, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, you know, I, um, you know, it, it, I, I feel like it, like it's important that people learn about uh, your things like liberation theology and the Catholic worker movement um and you know and i think just knowing the um you 
and and I think just seeing the radical social mes uh, justice message of Jesus. Um, but um, but but I think it's also important to realize that you can't just use that as a crutch. You know, you can't. If people if people have criticisms of of Christianity and you and you bring up liberation theology, it ends up having this. Uh, you know, it can, it can end up being this sort of like excuse where you bring up the good parts in order to excuse the bad parts. And I, I think that's a, uh, you know, that can, uh, you know, end up being sort of way of hand-waving it. It's important to realize, I think, that the church itself is a site of um, conflict over these issues. Um, and, um, and, and, and I think that, you know, Part yeah, you know, one thing that Pope Francis has yeah you know, attempted to do is bring more synodality to the church, um, and I and I think uh, that's an important thing. Is uh, it needs to be a listening church, and I think it's important we take advantage of that um, because uh, you know so much of so much of the church hierarchy, particularly here in America, it, you know, is extremely out of touch with with the laity on on a number of social issues uh and you know and they'll even you know like talk about they'll they'll even respond to a lot of, a lot of like popular opinions on things like lgbt issues but with oh they're, they're not catechized properly or, or something like that um i think it's important to realize that the church isn't a them it's us uh you know we need to understand that we are the church as much as them, you know, and, and, um, and, um, and I think, and I think we need to push for a church that recognizes that, that, uh, where our, where our voices count and, and where we have, uh, you know, greater decision-making power. I, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, like a lot of the, the church will have this, you know, attitude of charity of like uh, we we should give to the poor and everything and i think it's important to push that in the direction of no we act, we actually uh, christian charity actually calls us to transform social structures it's not just yeah we don't we, we shouldn't we shouldn't just be satisfied with you know okay this guy was hungry and we gave him food we had to you know ask why is he why is he hungry why is this system not meeting people's needs and um how can we transform that i i, I think um, you know, and for, for one thing, I, I, I think that there's a problem in the church where there's the sort of conciliatory um, approach, uh, and then there's the uh, prophetic approach. And I, I feel like a lot of a big problem in the church is all the, the wrong people try to be prophetic. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's the reactionaries in the church who, who try to, you know, bring the fire, bring down the fire and brimstone on, you know, this, this society that accepts gays and, you know, and, and where, you know, women are loose and all that stuff, you know, but yeah. And, and, but then the response to that is a lot of like, you know, more liberal progressive kind of priests, uh, to try to do this conciliatory thing of like, oh, all are welcome. We're, you know, we're, we're all good here. And, and I, I feel like 
you know, one, one thing I, I try to lean into the prophetic by saying, uh, yeah, actually, you know, uh, uh, capitalism is demonic and we need to, <laughs> we need to like, like be, be strong on that. We need to like announce that, that we, we live in social structures of social sin that are degrading, uh, the, the, uh, the image of God in our fellow man. And, and we need to, it, it's, I, I think we, I think the more left progressive thing needs more fire and brimstone, <laughs> like, uh, honestly, honestly, like, cause, um, we, like we need to embrace the prophetic in, in our own lives and, um, and in the church, um, by calling out these, um, uh, these oppressive structures that uh, that are keeping people have people sleeping on uh, out on the streets and um, you know are depriving people of, of, of a meal uh, or leaving people you know in like deeply in debt and um, you know and drive and driving all kinds of social ills depression suicides um, you know we we need to em embrace that uh, our our inner prophet. I think no. that's a good answer i think what you said is very important that we have like the sin is spread in our social structures and we need to critically examine mm -hmm. not just a surface level um like meeting human needs but like exposing and, and analyzing like how does this institution or system like perpetuate like a or create this inequality or this 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 presenting mm -hmm. problem um, that we see, uh, mm -hmm. I think that's important. Um, so my my last question that I always like to end with is a fun question. Um, mm -hmm. You you converted into the the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, Sound like you converted in two thousand eighteen. Did you convert mm -hmm. in two thousand eighteen? Uh, twenty seventeen. Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> I converted in twenty eighteen in Easter mm -hmm. Vigil, and I remember mm -hmm. like right when I converted, um, like that summer. That's when like all mm -hmm. the the hell broke loose regarding like new scandals and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, since you converted to the Catholic Church, what is uh, who are some who are some saints that you admire and like what are some messages that the mm -hmm. that you get from them? Um, so my confirmation saint was Oscar Romero. Um, so uh, which it, it was it was interesting because he was at the time he was not yet fully canonized. He was, uh, he was, you know, considered he, he had been beatified. And so I wasn't sure they'd let me do it, but, but I, but I asked and, and yeah, they said, yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I've always been deeply Im impressed by his prophetic witness. Uh, you know, as willing to, willingness to, you know, call out the, uh, structures of sin, um, uh, to, um, you know, to embrace embrace the gospel of the poor and and you know be willing to upset the authorities, um, you know, uh, and um, you know, and give his life for for that uh, purpose. Um, he's of course very in, very important to you know, uh, liberation theology, although he was not um, necessarily uh, a part of that. He was, uh, in fact, he he was initially rather um, rather opposed to liberation theology, uh, but. Uh, was the events around him, including the uh, assassination of his friend, of his uh, friend. Um, oh, God, I was what's his um, what's his name? Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the on his friend's name. Um, Rotillo Grande. Yes, Rotillo Grande. Um, yeah, 
that so uh so yeah his and, and so the, the radicalizing of events for him that led him to um be willing to go into like into martyrdom uh on the on behalf of the poor and against these um oppressive structures around him uh i think is is always deeply inspiring and, and i kind of make an annual ritual of watching the movie about him on his feast day um which is a really good movie by the way it stars Raul julia uh, um but um yeah and, and, and it's interesting you know his his sort of position in terms of liberation theology is uh is you know he was deeply formed by it but never fully identified it and i think it's actually the same the same can be said of pope francis actually uh because he's in many because because pope francis has never um has never claimed liberation theology for himself and 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 he'll always defect if you ask him if, he, if he's a liberation liberation theology he'll always deflect but he was clearly like ha had this he, he was really surrounded by it when he was in Argentina and, and it clearly affected him in his, in his, in his theology. Um, so another, um, on a more philosophical level, I remember I, I was deeply interested to read uh, Bonaventure um, who, uh, because, you know, I, I, mentioned, I, I have this kind of you know, nature spirituality that, that has always been with me. And, and, you know, the Franciscan tradition is, Really good about blending that uh with like the more transcendent aspects of of uh, of christianity um so bonaventure um you know he was the head of the franciscan order uh around the same time that aquinas was um uh was writing in, in the dominican order um you know they were they were contemporaries and um and so he um he he's he's not as like rationalistic as aquinas so to speak. he's uh here's in a more like mystical prose but he he, he has the, he had this um whole uh this book called um the soul's journey to god i think it's called um which kind of it, it's it sort of ascends like starts at the level of creation you know and and the beauty and the beauty and essential goodness of creation and it kind of takes you up through uh you know uh, through you know a contemplation of of one's own consciousness and mind and then you know through scriptures and Christ and then finally up to you know union with God you know so um so I, so I found that really powerful and um it's, it's funny I actually I actually recommended him to uh, a friend of mine who had a Buddhist background and he was like wow this guy writes like a Tibetan Lama it's like <laughs> I was like uh, because um because uh, he has this 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 amazing kind of prose about him, uh, and he was also um, uh, you know it was interesting his his approach to dealing with the apocalypticism of uh, uh, Joachim of Fior, who was um, this one uh, Franciscan monk who was um, popular in the Middle Ages and had these like who kind of prophesied this coming age when the church would become irrelevant and you know and a new uh yeah and there'll be a coming era of um you know in which uh you know christian pagan alike would be uh you know would, would unite and um and it sort of would would negate christian uh theology in, in favor of, the, of this new revelation um where it was whereas bonaventure kind of he didn't he he, he dealt with joachim's uh 
ideas delicately. Uh, he he would he did not simply um, deny where he was coming from, but but sort of yeah, he sort of like yes, there there is this kind of unfolding of time uh, in which you know tradition. It, it, he he always had this kind of view that tr tradition evolves. There are, there are always new iterations of, of tradition that, that reveal new things about it. But we but but the tradition itself doesn't change. It's it's we who are changing, you know, in our understanding of the tradition. And um, so so yeah, I, I find him a really fascinating uh, thinker. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've I've tried getting into Dun Scotus, uh, who actually is not canonized he's uh, he's beatified um and, and i find a lot of his stuff interesting but it, but it's just in terms of you know as far as illuminating the franciscan tradition and making it come alive for me i, I feel like bonaventure has been really inspiring to me um um yeah um and, and of course you know another one uh, servant of God, Dorothy Day, is a, is another one, a great one. Just in terms of, and I, and I feel like I can relate to her in a lot of ways because of like, you know, she came from this you know secular radical background, um, and you know, and was sort of brought into the church and continued to have have conflicts with the church hierarchy, but you know, stayed but stayed. Um, faithful in her witness to Christ. And I, and I, and so I feel like not, not just in her social justice advocacy, but also in her struggles with the church, she's a very relatable saint for me. So. Thank you. Thank you for sharing about those mm -hmm. um, holy men and women, especially St. Oscar mm -hmm. Romero and um, Dorothy Day. I think mm -hmm. um, there were not the resurgence, but the, but since his beatification and canonization, mm -hmm. um, St. Oscar Romero has been like a, a popular figure um, mm -hmm. that many have highlighted in his message um, as a mm -hmm. archbishop from El Salvador is one mm -hmm. that's still relevant today. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. very good. Um, but as we close this conversation, I definitely want to say thank you, Jonathan, for sharing, um, you know, such a wide array of, of wisdom that you have regarding like political theories, mm -hmm. um, a deep, deep profound faith journey that led you to um called to be in communion to the catholic church and just mm -hmm. um overall having a, a knowledge of like the importance of social justice so definitely thank you for coming on yes thank you yeah yeah for sure and you guys um pray for jonathan and his advocacy and the work that he does online and offline um to affect the lives of of um so many people in his community and in the country. So um, with that being said, it's going to be the last, I mean, it's going to conclude this episode of Saintly Witnesses and you guys can tune in to the next episode. Mm -hmm.